Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Critically analyzing national affairs. This is State of the Nation on today's news talk radio, TNT. Thank you for being here for the second hour of State of the Nation. I'll remind you, we are streaming live on video now here at Today's News Talk 24-7. We're very proud of our live stream, so please check it out. Please share it around. We're on YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, uh, and just adding more all the time. I'm still trying to uh, keep up here with all the great links we got. I'm going to get on my social media. I'm going to start blasting them out, Steve, because we have some amazing content, and uh, I'm going to really – it's hard for me to do social media. i got to be quite honest. Broadcasting six days a week, uh, seven days in some cases, uh, it's really – and knowing everything we know about social media, is uh, it's it's been discouraging for people like you and I that have been deplatformed over the years. So we do appreciate you sharing the show out. Absolutely. And I got to say, I'm really pumped. It's really exciting time to be a part of TNT radio, uh, especially now with the video streaming um, over 10 million uh, downloads and views. Uh, we, we found out yesterday that's that that that's that's real content there. That's 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 real viewership and listenership. So we certainly do appreciate it. Hesh, was that like the fastest hour we've ever done last hour? I feel like we just got on the air. And all of a sudden, what crazy. Yeah. Good I know stuff, it was though. like time to wrap with Roger. And I felt like, you know, my goodness, where did the hour go? I mean, we, we cover <laughs> so much here at state of the nation. And uh, speaking of which, uh, let me, let me uh, see if I can't lightning round you a few headlines here. We've got this one, uh, Biden border crisis worsens. Duh. We know that, but check these numbers out. 9,400 illegal aliens flood over Southern border in 24 24- hours that's almost ten thousand people in just a 24-hour period isn't that nuts that's absolutely nuts and when you when you combine that with the fact since the start of the new fiscal year which would be october 1st we've averaged over a thousand a day and that doesn't even include the gotaways and the gotaways don't even include the gotaways who we don't know got away because gotaways are officially uh, they were seen. They were witnessed by either uh, e- either either border patrol or or, or national guard, whoever a uh, uh, border uh, police, and then they just got away. So they count them up, and that's always just a rough estimate, anyway. But we know that there's a bunch of people coming in uh, under cover of darkness uh, that don't want to be seen, and we don't have any clue what that number is. So, yeah, you know, we're going to be talking about talking about that with Ken Cuccinelli later in the program too. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Because, um, you know, and and we're going to have Art Del Cueto back on the show in in the near future here also, uh, because this a lot of this, as he keeps pointing out every time he's here, you know, we talk a lot about Texas and it is bad in Texas. I tell you what, but it's also bad in California. It's also bad in New Mexico. It's also bad on the northern border. It's bad in our airports. It's not just one place, but in Tucson, in the Tucson sector. Um, 3,000 illegals caught entering the country in that 24-hour period. So that just goes to show you how what a major throughway Tucson is. Yeah, and and it's only going to get worse before it before it starts to lighten up because people are trying. They're chasing the weather, man. They're getting out of there while the getting's good. 
Once it's the dead of winter, those numbers are probably going to go down a little bit. Perhaps we'll have to wait and see. But um, it, it certainly hasn't gotten any better. And I don't trust that Alejandro Mayorkas uh, is, is going to be doing anything to help make it better. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, I'll tell you one place that's safe uh, from this uh, this massive influx of, of quote-unquote new Americans that are arriving. Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard is still safe. Uh, you will, you know, if you don't have a, a leaf blower or carrying a weed eater, uh, you're going to be questioned. You know, even though they claim sanctuary status, we all remember what happened when Ron DeSantis sent a, what was it, like 36? They didn't even make it on the island for one day before they were removed uh, because they did not have the aforementioned weed eater or uh, a leaf blower strapped to their back. It's uh, the um, Roger kind of touched on this hypocrisy, double standards, projectionism. That's what the, that's yeah. the, that's the uh, coin of the realm for the uh, for the left these days. And it's sad to see as we all take it in the neck because of it. Yeah. And Steve, uh, just real quickly here before I bring ruckus on, um, can we assume then that maybe three out of the four uh, cases will actually uh, come out in favor of the 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 U.S. government instead of Donald Trump? Should we just be at this point be assuming that uh, he's going to lose three of these four cases? Perhaps could be, could be. I, I I don't know, but I do know that this is this is like we've discussed before, Hesh. They do these this lawfare against him, and his numbers continue to climb. Oh yeah. Uh, at some point, at some point, they've got to fall back on the old Einstein adage that insanity. Uh, the definition is doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different result. Uh, it's only helped him. But you know, as we were talking with uh, Stone last hour, the process is the punishment. They're doing everything they can to keep him away. Uh, from the campaign trail, and thus far, it's done nothing to slow down the Trump train. Uh, we'll see what happens as we go forward here, but yeah, these cases are absurd. Hey, man, that's why they call it lawfare, yet somehow they just keep making his Midas touch more golden, so uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens over the next 12 months here. And uh, hey, if you have a suggestion for a possible guest or host that you'd like to hear on TNT Radio, or perhaps you have a topic you feel we should discuss We'd love to hear from you. You can email us all directly. Everybody has a TNT email address here. Feel free to reach out to us directly. Uh, we do our best to get back at you, and we definitely do our best to make sure we at least read everything, so we appreciate all those emails. And you can also simply complete the suggestion form on the TNT Radio website and help us make a difference right here on TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, have for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The U.S. general overseeing Washington's defenses against nuclear bombers and other threats by air has reportedly ordered the shutdown of a secret saloon after a major media outlet raised questions about daytime drinking inside the North American Aerospace Command, otherwise known as NORAD. Here with the story, joining us once again is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark. Uh, Ruckus, what's going on over there at NORAD? Uh, sounds like a good time. I didn't get my invite. Did you? <laughs> no, and uh, there's no longer going to be a good time, I suppose. Uh, U.S. Air Force General Glenn Van Herc 
closed the bar last week and demanded an investigation into how NORAD officers were allowed to operate a clandestine drinking joint during work hours. Uh, at least that's what USA Today reported uh, this week. Um, this is known as the John Wayne Saloon. Cool name. Uh, of course, named after the iconic American actor, best known for tough guy roles. The tavern was located at Peterson Space Force Base in Colorado and served its patrons by invitation only, according to USA Today. Uh, a John Wayne poster was affixed to the tavern's door and visitors had to enter a keypad code to gain access. Um Quote, nearby lieutenant colonels and majors planned future NORAD operations, uh, end quote. That's what USA Today said, citing unidentified officers and civilian employees familiar with the saloon. Quote, also at hand, computers with access to the Pentagon's secret email system, end quote. Dan Herc told the newspaper that he had confirmed the presence of hard liquor, beer, and a refrigerator in a locked office space with a John Wayne poster inside the NORAD headquarters. He also confirmed that the facility had access to, quote, classified networks for planning purposes, end quote. Hmm. The NORAD commander added that the presence of alcohol was, quote, Certainly something that was concerning enough to me to direct a commander's directed investigation, end quote. Because what could possibly go wrong with liquor and classified uh, information? Uh, the probe will determine whether alcohol use inside the NORAD headquarters compromised America's national security, um, according to Van Herc. U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC studies, have shown that military service is America's heaviest drinking occupation troops consume alcohol uh on 130 days out of the year on average and uh according to an analysis of cdc data released in 2019 they also binge drink 41 times annually um alcohol use is prohibited in u.s military offices without special permission Waivers, however, are sometimes granted for such events as retirement celebrations and holiday parties. Of course, NORAD is responsible for over overseeing the airspace defenses of both the United States and Canada. The U.S. Northern Command, NORTHCOM, which coordinates the Pentagon's response to attacks and natural disasters in North America, is also, interestingly enough, headquartered at Peterson Space Force Base. Van Herc said he had not heard about any concerns regarding on-the-job drinking at NORAD prior to USA Today's inquiry. He claimed credit for being quote-unquote transparent when the newspaper brought the secret tavern to his attention. Quote, I would tell the people in the United States and Canada, trust the commands that defend them each and every day. End quote. So, yeah. There we have it. Um, yeah. I, I look at you guys know the phenomenon about drunk tweeting, right? I just I can't even imagine what it's like drunk planning top secret military ops. But what do you guys think about the John Wayne saloon and its epic ending? <laughs> well, the John Wayne bar and grill may be closed, but with any luck, the Clint Eastwood speakeasy is still alive. I, I don't I just find the whole thing absurd. It also kind of points to. There's not, I guess there's not a lot to do in Space Force right about now, huh? 
So like, they don't have a whole lot. It's, it's not like they're test firing rockets and stuff in Space Force. So why not have a couple of Harvey Wallbangers and some sidecars? Uh, it's just uh, <laughs> does, doesn't come as a shock at all. I suspect, and uh, they were probably more offended by the fact that it was the John Wayne bar than any than anything else. But there you go. What do you think about it, Ash? Well, okay. Um, I've actually worked on bases uh, for 15 years, so actually 16. Um, so my first question is, uh, why does the saloon have to be clandestine? First of all, most bases have a uh, bar and grill operating on them at all times. Um, also, plenty of people uh, with a little bottle of hooch in their desks all throughout the base. I've seen that multiple times. So to me, this is just like, this sounds like... Uh, military culture now what gets me is the fact that uh is the term saloon um being used uh in a colloquial way here or is there actually like a uh, a cash register um obviously not a liquor license it kind of sounds to me and then you really kind of tipped the uh the game here ruckus when you mentioned it was a secure lab now that's got to be like an STBL or a SCIF, like a SCIF laboratory. And yeah, you're definitely not supposed to be drinking inside of those. Um, so what was this really? Was it really like a saloon or was this like someone, you know, someone dis disgruntled employee of a security manager or something like that who has, you know, access to a broom closet or an office with a John Wayne poster and happens to keep, a, you know, a mini bar in there. Um, so that's kind of what I'm wondering. Is this more of like that, like they big deal? They found someone with a mini bar or someone actually, you know, dealing alcohol out of there without a liquor license. Like the, the write up did not really describe what was really going on here. But uh, yeah, the danger of uh, doing something like that inside a secure space is definitely something that could wind you up in a headline like this. That's crazy. And I, I tell you, they should have covered their ass and called it the Dil Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, <laughs> and then nobody nobody would have looked at it. Okay, well, this is all about equity here. It what, couldn't what, be what, worse what you, than Bud Light being in the thermos, I suppose, in that case. Yeah. What, what, do, you, what do you think? Wrap it up for us here, Ruckus. Well, I mean, it, it, from the report, it was it was locked behind a keypad. So it was an area specially designated for this. So I don't know, maybe a closet. I don't think it was just a refrigerator in somebody's already occupied room. This, this was an area specially dedicated for this purpose. And uh, that means that at some point, some way, shape or form, uh, taxpayer dollars were involved there, gentlemen. So, you know, there's a lot to consider here. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, the entire um, STBL or SCIF will be behind one of those keypads. And then inside of that, you'll find usually a network of doors, laboratories, you know, servers, things like this. So it's like you're not even supposed to, you can't even take your cell phone into these things. They have lockers out front, you know. So uh, the fact that somebody was feeling at home enough in there to bring backpacks of liquor in there and uh, possibly hand it out to coworkers. Uh, that does say a lot about uh, how seriously some people take their um, their job when they're working in classified laboratories. Uh, you, <laughs> generally speaking, you want to take that very seriously because if you have a security manager come down on you, the PAO come down on you, uh, base command come down on you, it's a bad day. I don't care if you're a civilian or if you're active. Yeah, well, it's not like they had a bad day, that's for sure. Yeah. Price, price of booze these days. I think I already got a keypad to protect my bar. 
And, uh, you know, there you it's just go. <laughs> we have actual American concerns here at State of the Nation. That's right. That's All right. right. Thanks, Ruckus. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around. So that's not really taking off the way they want to either. And then she said something very interesting. She said, you know what, when the water crisis comes, people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water. And if you don't have water for a few days at a time, you'll know all about it. So maybe, you know, we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a World Economic Forum type narrative. Could this be what it is? Locked and loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk TNT Radio. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real. That's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. It's time to switch on today's News Talk Radio. Very entertaining. TNT. Are you sitting down for this? I hope you're sitting down for this because you should probably be sitting down for this. A 94-year-old U.S. Army veteran is blasting his Stanton Island assisted living home for kicking him out, then cutting a deal to welcome migrants, which is a uh, generous term for illegal immigrant invaders, saying uh, it's not fair uh, when he was sent packing. Uh, Frank Tamaro, uh, Tamaro was given less than two months notice and he uh, and 53 other seniors that they would be having to move out of the island shores residence in March and have to make other living arrangements. I mean, this is just sad. And joining us now to discuss, rejoining us, always a pleasure to have our next guest with us, is, communic- is a communications professional, former Capitol Hill member and political appointee in the Trump administration and the host of the All-American Book Club on WMAL 105.9 FM. Eden Gordon-Hill, welcome back to State of the Nation. What do you think about this? We're so close to have, we just barely have Veterans Day in the rearview mirror here. And of course, this has been going on since before that, but uh, this is a sad story. Yeah, it's a very sad story, but I'm going to let me back up for a second and just give you an even more pathetic story that I got to experience this week. And it goes right along with what is happening to our veterans as they are being kicked out and not taken care of and completely neglected. So to all of those who are tuning in here, do you know where your Veterans Service Center is? Let me tell you what happened to me this week. I had to go into the Veterans Service Center here in Eastern North Carolina. And let me tell you how long I sat in that waiting room to see somebody to get paperwork done so I could better help my husband. Are you guys ready? I got there at 2.30. I was not seen until 7.30 p.m. Wow, what? 
Yes. Yeah. I just, I wanted to make sure everybody heard that correctly. Got there at 2.30, did not get seen until 7.30 that night. Granted, they already closed at five, but we stayed until we were able to get, sit down with somebody. Here's my point. The reason why I'm bringing this up is I sat in that room and I said, you know what? Let me pull out my reporter's notepad. I'm going to make the best of this. So I did my own veteran town hall. I was sitting there with Gulf War veterans, Vietnam veterans, my husband, and many other veterans as they were seeking. Some were on oxygen, you guys. Some hadn't eaten because they decided they wanted to get help that they had to wait there all day long. Now, I run a business and I do multiple interviews a day, but yet I had to take five hours of my work day to go over and get something that my husband and I should have had years ago. My point in saying this is, this is how our veterans are being treated around the nation. And we see this perfect example of what is happening in New York City. That's not the first time I've heard that. I'm glad that this story has come to light. But here's the challenge. Here's the challenge that I say to all who are tuning in. I know we have local, federal, state officials that join this station and join the show. I want to challenge you. Do you know where your Veterans Center is? When was the last time that you went in there as an elected official and sat down and actually talked with them to hear what they are going through? Those yeah. veterans in there got educated because I was in there and told them what they should be asking for, not what they're afraid to ask for. This is a massive issue. And with all of the candidates that we have running for the presidency, I've not heard them talk except Donald Trump about what they are going to do for our veterans when they get elected. I want to see them start doing that. Their teletown hall or their town hall is already made ready for them. All they got to do is walk in and I challenge them to do eight hours. I want to see elected officials who, quote, said they ran for our veterans and for our military, but I don't see them in there. Yeah, but let me ask you this, Eden. First of all, welcome back to State of the Nation. It's always always a pleasure to uh, to have you on board here. Um, this 94-year-old story is, is staggering. Your story, five hours in a waiting room. Good God. Uh, I, I, I can't believe it. I would I would I would wager I would I would suspect that even the folks working at these agencies at where you're uh, where you were where you waited for five hours, I'm sure even they are embarrassed. The real question is, where the hell is Lloyd Austin on this? Uh, mm. Where is the Biden administration on this? How can you be so utterly tone deaf to allow a story of a 94 year old vet? Obviously, mm. he's a World War II vet, Korea vet. Yes. He's of that era. And yet mm. he's getting booted out. It's it's beyond tone deaf. It's the I just don't give a damn about the vet seems to be the attitude of this administration and Lloyd off uh, Lloyd Austin in particular. Where are they? Well, that's the question. They're nowhere to be found. And at the end of the day, where are they? Oh, oh, let's see here. Um, let's see. Uh, our commander in chief is drinking his insure and taking his naps. Uh, Kamala is, I, I say her name wrong, but she's somewhere other than maybe she's north of the border, south of the border. Um, let's see, where's Lloyd Austin? I don't even hear his name in the news anymore. My, my concern is this, you know, we can, I can characterize and bash these elected officials till the day comes home. But here's the thing that's really concerning to me. 
we are the patriotism of this nation, the low recruitment levels. You wonder why our levels are so low. It's is it because we don't care about this nation anymore? Is it because perhaps we see how the current veterans are being treated. Why would I want to join and serve this nation knowing that I am not going to be taken care of and forgotten about? I think that's the bigger issue because we have the lowest recruitment level number since before World War II. That is a massive issue. We are sitting ducks and the enemy sees us and is preying upon us. So I think basically Biden and all of his cronies should be impeached bottom line god bless george santos yes he was a republican yes he did some things wrong but his don't even scratch the surface to what the biden crime family has done what we need to do is have those candidates who are running for president okay five inch heel lady get your tuchus into those veteran centers and sit down and talk with those veterans okay mr desantis who is a pro-veteran state Get in to those veteran centers and hear what they need, because to be honest with you, they are their best advocate and they need to be at the forefront. We cannot forget about what is happening to our veterans, because you know what? These military active duty military, they're considering getting out sooner than later. There are reasons why you guys were talking about, you know, the the percentages of alcohol taken in in a year with our military it's no wonder why they have to deal with all this woke agenda how in the world are they supposed to deal with it and why would they want to wait and retire out because they are being forced out and they're being told to listen to poems over the loudspeaker instead of fighting for this nation they have been demoralized that's what yeah. i think needs to be really addressed yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I certainly don't blame anyone at this point for hiding in their STBL office with a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> it's like, I can't say I wouldn't be doing the same thing. You bring up a great point. We have so many people in our military that are 12 years in, 13, 14, yes. you know, 16, 17. They're literally see they see the light at the end of the tunnel they see that retirement coming their way they know that they've earned it they know that they've kept their oath of office to the best of their ability as everything crumbles around them morally culturally everything and here mm -hmm. we are they also know that they've been experimented on they know they've been forced yes. to give shots they've been forced yes. to be by burn pits they've been forced to see some of their friends die or themselves get maimed over things that they maybe don't agree with anymore especially with changes in everything and right now we're going to go to headline in a minute here i'll take your thought on this on the other side but right now we're looking at a headline that says there is a va backlog of veteran claims for benefits and services seventy-two thousand hearings for veteran claims now pending before the Board of Veterans Appeals. 72,000 people that need assistance that are just stuck in a logjam. Ridiculous, absurd. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Hey, hey, what are you guys doing? Uh, we're breaking news. Oh, okay, carry on. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Fighting resumed between Israel and Hamas early Friday morning. Ending the week-long truce as no immediate sign of a deal to extend the ceasefire for an eighth day was reached. 
The UK government has agreed to pay tens of millions in climate reparation, loss and damage funds at this year's UN COP28 summit. Some defense experts are calling for airships to defend the Arctic North, saying technological advances have given them new practical usefulness amid challenges from hostile powers like China and Russia. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. Go to WMAL.com forward slash All American Book for the All American Book Club with Eden Gordon Hill, our guest here. Eden, that number is disturbing. I think I just made our producer cry when she heard that number there. I mean, what do you think about that? This is ridiculous. This really underscores what you're saying. It really does. I mean, that report just came out November 30th, and it underscores everything that I'm saying, because and if you look at the article, it's I believe it's in stripes.com just to cite it. But Morgan Luttrell, combat veteran, Republican Texas, even complained about the fact that if you were that veteran and you were sitting and waiting for years to be able to have your files processed. I, to all the veteran spouses, to all the veteran caregivers, to the hidden heroes out there, three times, three times I have been denied the spouse program that I should have been accepted into. And 87% of those spouses who have applied for that program are in that caseload, those caseloads. And, you know, I sat there from a as a Trump, a former Trump appointee as working on the Hill. I can make phone calls and I can drop names. And I'll tell you one thing. I'm getting a lot more access to things that I didn't before. I should have automatically dropped the names. But how in the world are all of these other veteran caregivers, spouses, children wanting to help their veteran with invisible wounds and the PTS and the TBI and the burn pits, all of the above, and all the Vietnam vets who are on oxygen tanks and they have to sit in those veteran centers waiting for hours, looking for food, trying to get claims processed. At the end of the day, this is the biggest issue. We have got to get back to the root of the issue and we shouldn't make it so difficult because they sit in there for five hours like we did. Claims are sent, then denied. You got to go do it all over again. It is a full time job. So many spouses have had to give up their jobs because of this issue. So this is what I want to say. Hope at the end of the tunnel, light at the end of the tunnel. There is. We have an obligation to get out there into the public square we have got to be at the forefront of this. We are our best advocates and we have got to fight the bureaucratic red tape. Like I was saying, most of these spouses don't have access to their members of Congress, to their local officials because they don't allow that anymore. So my challenge to the local, state and federal officials, open up your damn doors and let yeah. them in. Stop shutting the doors in the halls of Congress because we put you there. And we can take you back as well. You have an obligation to each and every one of us. And this is your job. I don't want the veterans and the military spouses to give up. 
I want them to know that they can call their member of Congress and they can beat down those hatches and they can get the assistance they need. But they've got to wake up and realize that they do have that opportunity. They do have that access and they can get help. You know, Eden, um, just hearing this report, it, it really is an absolute national embarrassment. And, yes. and it's even more it's even more than that. It's 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 a uh it's an unfulfilled promise. And 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 the problem that that I have with it, I mean, the VA has always been kind of the canary in the coal mine when it comes to uh public health care, government, mm -hmm. government centric. And we see how they've absolutely botched it. And they've not right. only botched it, but they've botched it and just said, Yeah, well, whatever. Uh right, yeah, exactly. deal with it. And, and and now all of a sudden it's like, well, this is just proof positive that the government doesn't do everything well. Those right. men and women in the military, they do very well. But taking right. care of them and the bureaucracy that you mentioned, it's it's mm -hmm. just absolutely shameful. And I'm I'm stunned at the fact, uh, as you mentioned, uh, that people are dropping out before they get their 20-year stint in, which, of course, usually leads to some kind of a nice little package when they get out. They're leaving. And, and, and the younger uh, men and women in this country are just saying, you know what, I'm not even going to sign up for it anymore. And in large part, it's because of this. It's God, it's I, I don't even know if there's a question in there. I'm just I'm just bewildered at how mm -hmm. how unbelievable th th this this issue is. Well, I mean, I, I look at the next generation. I mean, all of us sit here and talk about what is happening to the next generation. All of us are concerned about what is happening to the future of our country. And one thing that a couple things that really come to mind is are we still instilling in our kids and our God kids and our community kids the importance of the flag and truly what it means? Are we still instilling those, those Judeo-Christian principles of what this country was founded on? Or is the Marxist approach, the authoritarian approach, really taking over our universities and our education systems where it is a watered down civics lesson? And most of these kids graduating don't even know what 9-11 was. They don't know what it was like to see 9-11. They don't know what these Iraq and Afghanistan veterans did for our freedom because of 9-11. A lot of them don't know that. So yeah. when I sit there and say it really, there's roots to this and it goes back way before, way before Obama, way before Bush. But I will cite this when I was working during the Bush administration, the second Bush administration, the bureaucratic aspect of what was happening to our veterans, but actually our active duty who were coming back to Walter Reed. I was tasked with working over at Walter Reed for the United States Senate. And we were engaged with the families, knowing that these men and women were coming home and they would not be going back. And that's when these private groups, and I know we've talked about this before, really came to light. And I know we've had them on these shows before, but I want to reemphasize to the audience who's tuning in, if you are active duty, if you are a veteran, if you are thinking in that form or fashion, there's so many private groups out there that can help you. So you don't have to do it alone and you don't have to go through the red tape. I, for one, will fight the red tape because I worked around the red tape and I'm going to be in their face until God takes me home because we have too many things that are going unsaid and going undone. And especially it's at the hands and the blood 
of our local, state, and federal officials. Here, here. Well said. Well said. Thank you so much, Eden. Um, again, we want you to go to WMAL.com forward slash All American Book to follow the All American Book Club over there at WMAL 105.9 FM. Eden, uh, I, we just can't thank you enough. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, even when we have to discuss things like this, um, you know, it's really important. And uh, you're always so eloquent about breaking this down. Uh, we can feel the passion that you have in this. And uh, yeah, if you're struggling out there, don't let the VA grind you down. There's a lot of resources out there. Um, Eden, I want to recommend this book to you. It's called The Invisible Machine. One of our colleagues worked on this project, and it has been very, very helpful for people with PTS um, and other post-traumatic uh, things. So just want to throw that out there. Absolutely. So it's in your toolkit as well. Yes, let's, and you know what? Let's get them to the All-American Book Club. I think that let's would be a great it. person to have and talk about the book. And thank you for highlighting the All-American Book Club. We are celebrating Christmas, Advent, Hanukkah, and we have some brand new guests coming this Sunday, 10.30 a.m. on the WMAL live streaming app. So thank you so much for supporting the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Eden. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. As a meteorologist, I look for common threads in the weather. And common threads are absolutely essential when looking at the climate situation. Because you see, it's not really about climate. Let's take a common thread between Al Gore, Dr. Michael Mann, and our infamous climate ambassador, John Kerry. Al Gore, first of all, his father voted against the civil rights movement. Secondly, Al Gore was the state senator in Tennessee. Guess what's in Tennessee? A state park and a giant monument to the founder of the Ku Klux Klan. How come he didn't see that over there? What about Dr. Michael Mann? saying that climate deniers, and I suppose I'm one of them over there, are a threat to children and grandchildren. Very interesting since he supports policies that have reportedly ended the life of 60 million kids before they came out of the womb, three quarters of them people of color. And then of course, there's John Kerry. That's the man who supposedly threw his medals over the fence at the White House and yet we see him show up at these meetings with all his medals, right? What kind of hypocrisy is that? This is a man who wants us to start in the face of record-breaking food production, somehow or the other, get rid of the agriculture so that we can cut CO2 emissions. You see the common thread between all these people? They're all hypocrites. They all follow the same kind of thing that they do with climates. They're sanctimonious know-nothings, and that's exactly what this is about. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high 
and achieve their dreams. By ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more, so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, you are listening and maybe even watching State of the Nation on TNT Radio. And we're always happy to speak with Ken Cuccinelli. Ken, of course, former uh, Trump administration official, Deputy uh, Department of Homeland Security. uh, And he also started the Never Back Down Super PAC, this for Ron DeSantis, for DeSantis' 2024 run. Uh, Welcome back to the program, Ken. It's great to see you. And I guess the obvious question right out of the gate is, last night, the red versus blue debate on Fox News hosted by Sean Hannity. Uh, (laughs) There were some zingers in there. How do you think your guy did last night? Well, the one zinger people remember is DeSantis's reference to the folks who were moving to Florida. And oh, by the way, Governor Newsom, I'm quoting your father-in-law about how great Florida is. That was a humdinger. Honestly, I'm not sure calling it a debate is accurate. I mean, one side was, you know, the conservative position supported by facts with evidence um, and meaning outcomes and the other and no flash, really. DeSantis isn't a flash guy. He's right between the eyes and versus Mr. Slicky on the left who dodged every question, um, was devoid of facts, literally said, well, those facts aren't true over and over and over, (laughs) which is a bit classic philosophically for the left. They get to define their own truth, right? Well, when it's one-on-one like this, you just don't get to do that. And DeSantis absolutely wiped the floor with him. Um, and, And truthfully, DeSantis did what he's done for five years as governor is he has just made the conservative case and he's implemented it. And now last night he was in the in the position of saying, look at the outcomes. These are real people's lives. And let's not forget last year, folks, that he won the biggest swing state in a reelect by almost 20 points. He had to win independence to do that. He won Hispanics with like 60 percent of the vote. He won women on on all these issues. And Newsom just couldn't make a dent. All he could do is the name calling, you're mean, wah, wah, wah. And um, <laughs> he had no responses for just the the point continual pointing out, including with a lot of personal stories by DeSantis, of the hypocrisy of the of positions of both Newsom and the left more generally. DeSantis didn't leave the entire left out of it. It really was a red versus blue in that sense. But it wasn't just at the state level. He took it to the federal level, too. I'd be curious what you guys thought, but I I thought it was a real slaughter. Um, I will say this. If you're stuck with the left's positions in light of the failing failing outcomes of their positions, Newsom does a much better job ducking and weaving than Biden does. He, he, He ducks, slips and falls. You know, well, it was funny. It was so, funny when 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 DeSantis said uh, when he called him a slick and slippery politician. I'm like, boy, that is about as dead on as you can get. Uh, this bingo. is really going to be a t- right. It, it, this is really going to be a test to see if great hair and white teeth 
uh, can win you the Oval <laughs> Office. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I can't. You guys got some great hair going, but um, Newsom's a little different. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we'd be sitting in the same bars, Ken. Um, here's here's one of my favorite parts from last night. You don't hang out uh, at what was it? Uh, the French laundry. Laundry. <laughs> French laundry. Yeah, they wouldn't let me in. I wouldn't put the ritual muzzle of. Oh shame no, nobody on. else was allowed in either, except Governor Newsom. Without the muzzle. Yeah. Yes. Without yeah. the muzzle. Well, yes. Um, so here's one of my favorite quotes from last night. Here it is. Quote. This one's near and dear to my heart. I did a lot of skateboarding and concert going in San Francisco back in my youth. Uh, here's the quote. This is a map of San Francisco. This is an app where they plot the human feces that are found on the streets of San Francisco. Almost the whole thing is covered, except when a communist dictator comes to town, they cleaned everything up. So they're willing to do it for a communist dictator, but they're not willing to do it for their own people, end quote. I mean, th there's another open goal, like you said, just oh, so many yeah. open goals. Yeah, my, my favorite on San Francisco was, um, it, it was, I think it was in the same sort of riff that you just described, where he says, oh, yeah, they have freedom in California. You're free to defecate on the sidewalk. You're free to start your own homeless encampment anywhere you want. You're free to free to sleep under the bridges, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, when I was the deputy secretary of DHS, we had to deal with some of those cities um, on a riot basis. And I will point out the first person killed after the Floyd killing. And that was a, that was wrong, obviously, goes without saying. Um, but the reaction to it was wrong as well. The first person killed was a DHS security officer in Oakland, California, and um, had done nothing wrong, was just doing his job and um, and drive. Essentially, they were attacked, two of them, one killed, one injured. And that was in Governor Newsom's Oakland, California. So, you know, crapping on the sidewalk is one thing. The violence takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, you're not kidding. And, and that. That was a moment of levity, although I don't think that uh, Newsom found it very funny. But the rest of us <laughs> watching at home were he like, in the audience. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Obviously, uh, the border crisis is another important topic that was brought up in last night's uh, debate. Uh, now, we just learned and this is staggering. Uh, I think to most Americans that, that, that hear this and we discussed this earlier on the program, Ken. Uh, then since the start of the fiscal year, which was October 1, these numbers that are crossing our border are ridiculous. About a 1,000 a day. Hesher mentioned uh, in the Tucson uh, area a, a, a couple of days ago, they got over 4,000 in one day. Yeah, that's but just these, in the uh, one region. Yeah. And, and, and these that's numbers just in the include, one region. Uh, well, they include 50,000 gotaways. And gotaways are those observed. So even that's just scratching the surface. We have no idea how many people came in under cover of darkness or, 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 or just were not observed at all. What, yeah, what, the what ones you who are both talented um, and want to evade, you never see. And with yeah. an open border, they walk in. And look, part of the cartel's strategy, uh, because they control the flows, of where they run the flows is to occupy the border patrol and then run their high value crossers in another direction. It's not complicated, um, but it's also not complicated to stop. And DeSantis has the solution. 
and only DeSantis has this solution. It's put our darn troops on the border between the ports of entry and patrol it and stop anybody from invading the country. Doesn't mean you shoot them. It doesn't mean you run tanks, but you don't let them in. You literally turn them away at the border. Trump refused to do that. I virtually begged him to do it from DHS. Um, They didn't do it. Um, DeSantis is willing to do it. And it's literally is one of those first week changes he could make as president that stops those flows. And, And at least, at least to your point, eliminates the gotaways because anybody coming in then has to come through the legal ports of entry. And maybe some people sneak by our systems and what have you, but there are no gotaways. We encounter every single one of them. Do you think yeah. this is going to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest platform items for him moving forward? Because yes. it seems like it's getting to be sort of a bipartisan, just American opinion that this has gone way too far. Yeah, you know, I think it was one of the, I think it might have been Harold Ford Jr. Don't hold me to that. In the commentary after the debate last night, uh, so Democrat who said, you know, I give Abbott and DeSantis credit their shipping of illegals around the country to sanctuary cities really blew this issue up. It brought Democrats like Brian Adams of New York City, Mayor Lightfoot, former Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago, Philly. You know, we go around the country, right? They, they're they screaming uncle on numbers that Texas laughs at. Folks, that's like two days of crossings in Texas, and you all are screaming uncle already. And um and, and that's just that's just reality. Right. And it, it is going to be a big deal for the close. Uh, it was one of Trump's signature issues in 2015 and 16. He did do some helpful things uh, on the illegal population, really not on the legal front at all, um, in my view. And I begged on that. I lost. Um, but there was so much that wasn't done. For instance, using troops on the border to just block in between the ports of entry and let's control this flow. Let's actually secure the border and then have the debate about the complete immigration picture. We all agree maybe on one thing on the right, and that is you really can't talk about the whole immigration picture, including legal, until you've locked down security on the border. And this administration, of course, has an open border policy. Um, Trump didn't have an open border policy, but he wouldn't use the military to shut it down. And by the way, since we're talking about a so-called debate last night, imagine if it weren't Newsom there, but that bludgeoning was going on between DeSantis and Biden. Oh, my God. Um, Again, you know, there'd be begging for mercy on the part of a lot of people watching on behalf of Biden. Remember, though. In the first presidential debate in 2020, Joe Biden beat Donald Trump in the first debate. He didn't beat him in the second debate, but he beat him in the first debate. And it wasn't so much that Joe Biden beat Donald Trump as that Donald Trump beat Donald Trump. And um, well, me- and that just is never going to happen to Ron DeSantis. He's too well prepared. He's too disciplined. Yes, he's not a show horse, but he's a hell of a workhorse. And uh, with the best conservative record of any chief executive, governor or president in our lifetimes, bar none, it's not even close. And um, and he defends it better. And people wonder, well, you know, we got a message on abortion. We got to do this. You got to do that. He was pro-life in his reelect. And he won women in independence in the biggest swing state by 20 points. 
He handled that issue and every other one, school choice, taxes, debt, et cetera, Second Amendment. And with winning Hispanics, imagine how that plays out demographically in Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, uh, in the swing states we have to win that Donald Trump struggled in. Um, and since November of 2020, I don't think Donald Trump has improved his standing in those states. But Ron DeSantis rolls in with a track record that he's already won defending, and he's ready to do it at the national level. He proved yeah, it last me, night. Yeah, well, he was certainly good. I mean, he's definitely on top of his game. There's no question about yeah. that. Um, and you're right. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even imagine what it would have been like had Biden been at the other uh, podium. <laughs> I, I just, I, I wouldn't even. Some uh, guy I, I offset you throwing a towel in. Yeah, yeah tell, it, 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 it's 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 like rubbernecking when you see an accident on the side of the road. It's like you just want to watch just to see what the hell's what he's going to yeah. do. Which which kind of leads me to believe that he's never going to debate anyway. Uh, whether it's Biden, whether it's Nikki Haley, wh I mean, whether it's uh, Trump, whether it's Nikki Haley, whether oh, it's Ron yeah, well, I, mean, I don't think he's going to debate. I I think he would debate Trump because of the Trump beat Trump phenomena. But he will they will come up with an excuse if DeSantis is the nominee, Joe Biden will come up with an excuse not to debate because it would be a slaughter and it would be a slaughter by DeSantis beating Joe Biden, not Joe Biden, just beating Joe Biden. Well, that's a yeah. little frightening, considering the last time he needed an excuse, they gave us covid. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> well, but how, Trump cooperated with that. I mean, Trump yeah. was in the was in the lockdown chorus. He promoted, gave awards to Fauci. It was a great frustration yep. for me and DHS. And after about six weeks of, you know, going along with the Washington team, the federal team that the states all relied on, uh, DeSantis was one of the very first to buck the trend, say, hey, we have enough data now to make our own decisions and you all are wrong. Trump, you're wrong. Fauci, you're wrong. Media experts, you're wrong. And and DeSantis was right. And he put his whole career on the line to help the people of Florida. And they benefited tremendously, rewarded him in 2022. Um, it speaks to his steel and his brains. I wonder, though, yeah. I wonder, though, Ken, if it's going to be enough. I mean, 41 points down. I mean, that's tough. Now, we haven't even got. Well, look, I, you know, I was I, I was listening to Scott Rasmussen earlier today. I have a lot of respect for Scott. I think a lot of people have a lot of respect for Scott. And one of the things he said to his audience was, look, these national polls, he said, virtually the only polls that are going to start to matter soon are Iowa. His point being they don't matter yet. Uh, he acknowledged that the, the, the 20 plus point lead there in Iowa is significant. But he also said that what where it really matters is when you come out of the holidays, people actually decide. And he also said, by the way, it's awfully hard to poll in the holiday window, Thanksgiving to New Year's. Um, very difficult to do accurately. And caucuses are notoriously inaccurate. Um, so uh, we have a great ground game. We have the best ground game that's ever existed in Iowa. It's going to be worth a lot of points. And, um, and I'm confident that DeSantis is going to overperform. Uh, he's hitting his 99th county. He'll have com completed the full Grassley, the only candidate to spend as much time in every part of Iowa as Ron is Ron DeSantis. He's the only one. Governor Kim Reynolds was very appreciative of that as she endorsed him. She's beloved in Iowa. He got Bob Vanderplatt's endorsement, who is the evangelical leader in Iowa. 
And historically, he has been a, a motivating factor with an electorate that's 64% evangelical. So he's in a very good position. Of course, anybody would love to be on top of every poll, but the poll that matters is the election. Ted Cruz didn't lead those. I think he was in third about this time in, in 2016. He won Iowa. And, um, and he didn't have near the endorsement power going in, for example, that DeSantis has with all the state reps and the governor. Yeah, all eyes on Iowa at this point. Well stated, yep. Ken. We do have our eyes on it. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Never Back Down Foundation. Uh, Never Back Down. Follow Never Back Down. Follow Ken over yep. at Never Back Down. Thank you for your time.